1: And we are here on week four of a five-week month um, for the biopics that we've been watching each week. Uh, This week was my pick, and I picked Capote from uh, 2005, starring the late and happy birthday to, or would have been happy birthday to, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, the lead role. Um, We're going to get into our review of Capote in a little while but before we do that, uh, Corey and I like to catch up with how things have been going and see what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded. So, Corey, how you doing?
0: I'm fine. I've been really busy. I'm currently trying to not die from like smoke inhalation or something because like oh. every summer Idaho catches on fire. Hello. Um. So yeah, that's been real good. We have terrible air quality, guys. So that sucks. Yeah. So I feel like I sound like a smoker, (laughs) but maybe not. My eyeballs hurt. My head hurts. It's fine. Is that
1: in your house, too, or only outside?
0: Well, I swore yesterday I was, like, sitting here working, and I was like, oh, my God. It smells like smoke. And, of course, I have my windows and everything closed because it's hot as H-E double hockey sticks outside. And, yeah, it smells like some of it gets into my house, you know. but. Today it wasn't as bad, but holy heck!
1: Yeah, um, we we, we just had a bad storm tonight. Uh, bad's a strong word, but it was like lightning, really bad. Um,
0: I miss lightning and thunder.
1: But, uh, you know we're we're winding down. I have one more week of summer vacation. Um, how? Yeah, I know it, it goes well. This year was actually shorter, anyways. Like it was only like two months, uh, exactly or just under two months. Um. And, uh, but then, you know, just getting stuff in, we had a a optional meeting yesterday, um, with lunch provided if we did go. Um, and I, I did I did go, um, because I wanted to, uh, I, I've been pretty actively not working this summer. It was one of the first times as a teacher that I, I did not like stress or plan things or like, you know, I was just like, no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wait and I'm going to work when I'm supposed to work. I'm going to take my time off especially after last year and all this, all the extra hours I had to put in um, found out a uh, cool, cool thing. I guess I've, I've proven myself. Uh, I, you know, I work um, nights at a, a community college and I've proven myself enough that uh, I, I found out, I think last week that my online, cause I teach in person normally, but last year everything was online. So it was really cool because my class is actually built to be online, but it's, expected that a lot of my students uh, won't have the computer skills necessary so like having me there to walk them through stuff is helpful uh so that's why there's like a physical component but mostly i'm not i'm not actually like lecturing or anything everything's it's it's almost like a, a digital workbook right like they open up the assignment it walks them through what they have to do they do it they submit it to me and then that's the end of it right um so last year was online and it was super easy Uh, For me, because I didn't have to like even give up any real time um, outside of emails and stuff, right? Like it was, I didn't have to give up like an hour and a half block of my time twice a week to be in a room where sometimes I would have nobody show up because they felt comfortable just getting the work done, right? Um, But I found out that, I found out last week that my classes are going to be back in person because we're transitioning, but it's going to be half the size Um, at the community college. We're transitioning back to like normal times, Um, but gradually. And, uh, so like normally my classes can have up to 25 people and I can only have 12 now because of that. And so my class is filled up like instantly. I have all of all, you know, I have no spaces left in either of my two. uh, I teach like an entry level and and an advanced level and, um, of Microsoft office. It's super, super basic computer. stuff. so because my class is filled up and there were people who still need my class, um, I've now been given two online classes as well as my in, two in-person classes. So, uh, I was like, it's, it's, it shows that I've done my job well for the the three years that I've been working at the community college, uh, part-time that they didn't even, they didn't ask me if I could do, it. <laughs> I had an email where I was like, we're just going to add two online classes. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. I, I'm, that's cool. And he's like, thanks. I figured you would do it, but that's, um, like, but thank you. I'm like, yeah feels like I should have been asked but it's okay I, I'm okay with this um you know because I, I I do uh at some point I love teaching high school um I really love teaching film and that's the one thing I, I want to do that at the college level um because of some of the the more bureaucratic elements of teaching that I think you get away from in college you know there's a lot a lot more freedom at the college level uh as far as like expectations of students and also like who your students are obviously if they're they're at the school and they're paying for your class they're more inclined to do the work you know they're not they don't look at you as like the villain they look at you as like hey you're the person i paid to help me it's like yes that is correct that is the relationship that we should have is that i'm here to help you not punish you and not you know make your life challenging um not to say it won't be challenging but that's not my goal like i'm not looking to make your life harder and i think people in public schools like elementary you have to you have to convince them that you're not their enemy because society has made teachers the villain like throughout like if you look at movies a lot of times like especially if it's from the kids perspective the teacher is the bad guy you know there's a struggle there um and that's not my goal uh with my students and i i can convince them but there, there's always that initial like month or so where they're not like like what's your deal and i'm like i care about you they're like hmm that's suspect i'm like no no generally care about you and they're like, Nope, don't buy it. And then a month goes by and most of them buy it. There's always a couple who never never fall into the charm of the Birkenfield. But, you know, I do what I can. But uh so that it's been a, it's been a cool week kind of like gearing up for work and at the same time knowing I still have one more week of kind of like vacation. I, I gotta take care of some like adult stuff like oil changes and things of that that nature next week. But um Otherwise, you know, that's been kind of my, uh, my goal is to just start getting out of vacation mode, back to work mode. Um, and still like, there's so many variables that we don't know yet still, uh, that it's scary that we're a week away before teachers go back and we still don't know all of the details yet. So it's like, you know, but whatever, we're, we're flexible. We, we do what we got to do. Um, but that said. I've I've made an effort to watch a bunch of stuff this week. So I got a lot of things to talk about. What about you? Did uh what have you been watching since the last time we recorded?
0: Not a lot. I've been really busy. Um I watched The Shutter original, The Call, which just I feel like it just came out on Friday. I could be wrong on that. It was fine. Um and then I finished watching Blade Runner 2049. I just love that movie, and I'm so jealous of everyone who's getting to see, like, I saw our friend got to see, like, 10 minutes of IMAX footage or something from Dune.
1: Oh, yes, Big Tuna.
0: Um, oh, Matt. Wasn't it Matt, too?
1: Oh, did Matt also get it? Man, I... Maybe I'm
0: lying. Maybe it was. I,
1: well, no, hmm. I only know for sure Tuna saw it, because I I t- I saw I actually saw a movie with Big Tuna today, um, first time in over a year and a half uh, since COVID, basically, that we were in the same movie theater um, and he mentioned that to me. So I just assumed.
0: And I made me second guess myself when you said that, because I saw like where he shared a movie ticket or something today or something. Uh, But it was Matt. Uh, So I'm really excited for that one whenever it comes out, but um, yeah. And then the office always. How about you?
1: Oh, wow. That was really fast. Um, So I've watched, I feel like I've watched some shows Oh, I've been watching uh White Lotus. It's a new HBO series. Um that has like Owen Wilson Connie Britton, um a bunch of comedic people. Uh it's um so far I'm liking it quite a bit. Um it's it's weekly though, which I didn't know when I like jumped into episode 1 that I had to wait a week every week. Um so I was a little bummed, uh but I I like episode 1 and 2 so far. Um Okay, so I I guess I'll focus on movies. I feel like I've watched some other stuff. But uh, I I finished the Fear Street Trilogy. 1666 came out last Friday. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it as much as I loved the first two. Because I really loved the first two. And I feel like the third one kind of changes tone in a way that I wasn't down with. Um, But it's still good. Um, Space Jam, A New Legacy. I feel like this is getting too much hate. I don't think it's good. So I'm not like I'm not a defense like I'm not like, oh, yeah, but um, I think there's some there's a lot of movie references. Like it's very much Warner Brothers just like, look at all the things we've made. And you, it makes you wonder who the movie's for, because like some of the movie references like there's a, a part they, they're they they're having LeBron James and Bugs Bunny have to go and gather the tunes from across the server or whatever they call it. And so each server that they go to is like a different Warner Brothers property. And like a Looney Tune will be inserted into it. Like there's a Mad Max Fury Road scene where they ha- Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner are part of the the sequence of like them car, and it's like the live action sequence from the movie, and they just like you know have superimposed Wiley into it. And I'm just like, okay, who is that for though? Because this is clearly a kids movie, and they won't know Mad Max Fury Road, or at least they shouldn't. And adults who are watching it are going to be like, yeah why are you just randomly picking like movies that I like and cramming the looney Tunes? like the looney tunes are a property. You don't need to cram them into other properties. I already like the looney tunes. Like that's why I'm here in the first place. So it's a little bit too much of like, here's everything that we have to offer. And nobody asked you to do that. Like we know who you are Warner brothers. Like it's, it's pretty blah at the, at times. Um, Nothing feels like completely cohesive or thought out. It's just at the same time, I feel like people are really, really hating. I'm like, yeah, it it was fine. Like I had it on the background mostly and it's got stuff. It's not perfect. I thought the kid that because there's like an actor playing LeBron James's son. Who I thought was really I thought he did a good job with what he was given to do. Um, and Don Cheadle's having a blast, like, just being over the top and zany because he's, like, the villain. And he doesn't usually get to do, like, silly. He's usually, like, a very dramatic actor. Um, he's a good actor. But getting to do, like, a silly thing, he's hamming it up. And it was, I, I didn't dislike that at all. Um, I finally watched Freaky, which is also called Freaky Friday the 13th. That was the original, like, title name. Um, really liked Freaky a lot. I don't know if you've heard about this movie, but it's Vince Vaughn. And uh, I keep forgetting the girl's name, but she was in Blockers and um, uh, Catherine Newton. And so much like the title that I said, Freaky Friday the 13th implies, it's like Jason meets Freaky Friday. So oh, Vince Vaughn is a serial killer. And he tries to kill this girl played by Catherine Newton with this knife he found. The knife is cursed. And he stabs her, but it also stabs him at the same time. Like he gets a, a wound opens in the same spot that he just stabbed her. They wake up, swapped. So Vince Vaughn is basically playing like an 18-year-old girl in a serial killer body. And it's hilarious. It's, it's a horror comedy, but uh, man, it worked for me uh, almost completely. I had a really good time with that one. Um, I finally watched uh, the Guy Ritchie debut Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, a movie I'd been meaning to get to for a long time finally did uh it it is good it's as a lot of guy Ritchie movies it doesn't completely hold up to like modern political correctness but it's it's entertaining okay so here's where uh the movie of the week is going to tie into what i've been watching um so capote is a movie of the week that we're going to talk about here in a moment but i realized i knew nothing about truman capote until watching the biopic and then i was like oh, he wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's? That's a movie I've never watched. And I'm like, this movie, Capote, is mostly about In Cold Blood, him writing the book In Cold Blood. Found out there was a 1967 movie of that book. So I'm like, okay. And then um, while I'm watching Capote, I also realized that uh, um, Catherine Keener is playing Harper Lee, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird, and that's another movie I've never seen. So, I've watched In Cold Blood, Breakfast at Tiffany's, and To Kill a Mockingbird Pink. this week. Um, three, uh, well, two movies that have been on my I-need-to-watch list for a long time. Um, and, uh, man, I, I had completely, you ever get where, like, you have an expectation of what you think a movie is, only to find out you were way off, like it was something completely different? Are you talking about Breakfast at Tiffany's? actually i'm talking about to kill a mockingbird i thought to kill a mockingbird was going to be like a two-hour lawyer movie where we're just sitting in a courtroom you know hearing the case and it's like that's 25 minutes at max of that movie um because it's it's framed from the kids perspective which i also didn't know nor would i have ever anticipated um but that movie's great uh what a shock right it's this iconic thing breakfast at tiffany's if we were to re-edit Breakfast at Tiffany's and remove the uh, Mickey Rooney racist caricature, um, I think it's a good movie. I think that that caricature wrecks the movie a lot. Um, I am an Audrey Hepburn fan though. I have, cause I watched uh, Roman holiday last week and Breakfast at Tiffany's first two Audrey Hepburn films. um, Again, big shock. She's a really good actress. Um, In cold blood. Uh, was really good and also um it gives a lot of context to capote so i'm glad i watched it because it's going to help i think kind of like how we are given information in capote ties into the the film in cold blood i think in some interesting ways um but also you're a big walking dead fan right mm-hmm. so you know one of the killer's last names is hick hickok yeah yeah Perry? um herschel no is playing Hickok in In Cold Blood in 1967. The actor who plays Herschel on The he Walking When he was 12? Uh, he's a little older than that. But yeah, he's like 18, 19, 20, whatever. What?
0: I didn't. I thought he just was born. You know what I mean? Some people... I love Herschel. Herschel's like one of my favorite characters in The Walking Dead. In that uh, season. He,
1: he was 25 in the movie. Um, Dang, he's, I'm He was born this. in 1942. Oh yeah, he died. I forgot he died back in 2018. Man yeah but i was totally thrown cuz i'm like this guy looks familiar and i'm like wait a second Herschel? what like totally threw me off um Scott especially cuz he's he's kind of awful um in like in a good way like he's a like, he's a murderer like you're not supposed to like like him like i mean you know, but um so then uh in this kind of thing i so i watched a movie from 676162 i i'm going to continue i need to get some uh, another old movie that i've been meaning to watch for a long time so i finally watched my dinner with andre movie I've been aware of for a while. I've always kind of pondered, is it possible that it could be good? Because it's it's literally two people sitting at dinner and talking for two hours. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Wallace Shawn is the writer, and uh, I, he did not di- – I can't remember if he directed this. Uh, no, he did not direct this, but um, Wallace Shawn and Andre Gregory is basically just – them talking like the supposedly uh these were actual conversations they'd had and then like they just wrote it into more of a play style it's so captivating the conversation is so interesting and deep and the stories that they're telling are so compelling um and wallace sean is just a really good face actor also he does say inconceivable in this movie and i was blown away because it's before princess prides uh, so i was like wait a second hold on hold the phone is he referencing my dinner with Andre and princess? <laughs> I am so unsure now. Um, but yeah, really, uh, really enjoyed it. HBO max has a bunch of the criterion films, yeah, even though they're not listed as criterion there. Um, and I don't think that the print quality was definitely grainy. So I don't know if that, if I bought the, uh, well, you know, I'm kind of mad, Corey. Um, one of the time you've bought me many criterion movies for my birthdays and Christmases over the last couple of years, so I don't remember for sure when you bought me this, but you bought me Master Builder, which is a Wallachon, uh, Jonathan Demi directed Wallachon written movie that is definitely a reference to My Dinner with Andre. I didn't know that when I watched it, but there's a lot of the conversation topics in My Dinner with Andre that become kind of visualized in uh, Master Builder. Master Builder is not a good movie, I don't recommend people watch it. It, it was quite tedious. I watched it and asked for it because Blank Check was doing all the Jonathan Demi movies and I needed to see it. So I found out though, when I went to watch my dinner with Andre that there's a three pack criterion that comes with Master Builder, My Dinner with Andre, and another movie that I don't remember, but it's another Wallace Shawn movie. And I'm like, well that I would have rather got all three. But I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> and not not like, I'm not throwing that at you, but I didn't even know to ask for that because I would have never made that connection, right? Like that why is there a three pack. So I'm a little bummed cuz I could have had my dinner for on and- with my dinner with Andre, Criterion with the movie that I don't care for, but at the same you know what I'm saying, like it feels like I, I like to have them all and I like my dinner with Andre, so I really would like the Criterion, but <laughs> there it is. Um okay, so I have three more movies, Corey yes I've Thanks. watched so many movies this week. Uh I'm going to tie two of them together, but um we watched together uh Heart 8, um, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, and one other Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Because we did a whole month of Paul Thomas Anderson um, mm. a while back. I think right when Phantom Thread was coming out or something. We was were it? both really into Phantom Thread.
0: Did you already say Boyhood?
1: Boyhood is Richard Linklater. So oh, no. damn it. Guys, oh, um, sorry. <laughs> it's okay.
0: I was just like thinking, never mind. I'm fired by
1: No, no. It's it's completely fine. I can't remember what the, the fourth one was. was Boogie it? Nights, Magnolia, Heart 8. It had to be four because we—it's a month. Um, what had I not seen before that? Because that's—it has—that's the other catch. It has to be one that we had not seen. Technically, you picked Boogie Nights. Magnolia. Man, I can't think of it because it wasn't. We did not do Phantom Thread, and we did not do There Will Be Blood. Oh,
0: um, was it? Uh, I'm. I feel like I'm going to sound like an idiot, but. Oh my God! It was the. wasn't it
1: that one with oh inherent vice it was uh it was the other joaquin phoenix one um i knew it was gonna come to me because i had never seen the master or punch drunk love those are the only two paul thomas anderson films i paul thomas anderson films i had not seen i have now seen Uh, i watched the master yesterday and i watched punch drunk love tonight it's only 90 minutes and it's a rom-com um with adam sandler um both movies I, I was I was kind of into but also like kinda of, it's they're they're Paul Thomas Anderson, they're a little a little zany at times. Um like with his presentation. And uh after I watched both, I did watch a few YouTube videos and it made me appreciate them even more than I was already kind of into them. But um The Masters on Netflix right now and Punch Truck Love I actually had uh purchased a while back and just had not gotten to, but Um, I, I, another director filmography can be checked off my list, although he is working on a new film. So I'll have to see that once that comes out. And continuing with that trend, uh, I went, I mentioned, I saw a movie with big tuna today. We went and saw M night Shyamalan's new film old. Um, so it's, it's something, uh, it's so, okay. You've seen the lobster. So, you know how, like, the dialogue in The Lobster feels weird? Like, intentionally weird? Like, like the way they speak is not how people speak kind of thing? You know, they, they're very blunt. They say things uh too directly, like, too... Without any kind of, like, sugarcoating or anything. It's just these... That's kind of what's happening in old, too. Like, the characters speak in ways that people don't talk. And you're like, why would they say it that way? Like, why would they say that like it's so awkward um like there's a character and it's also like these these are really good actors like the the cast is nuts but they're they're like they're giving a weird performance so it's clearly like the intention of the filmmaker um which is not necessarily something you trust with M. Night Shyamalan unfortunately he's been up and down with his career um he's he's had some really high ups but he's had some really really bad downs um like when he stumbles he stumbles uh i mean let's let's reference the happening and oh god um and the that last movie. Airbender. and the what the the last airbender the avatar oh uh live action adaptation that um so but uh i am on the positive end of old uh i have not written my review and i also am recording an episode of bloody awesome movie podcast with matt about old uh later next week um so i will save my big thoughts for those two things but um I'm definitely on the positive side. This does seem to be uh, pretty polarizing in the critical community. Some people are really raving about it. Some people are really hating on it. I feel I am like his in the middle, I guess. Usually are. Yeah, uh, with with the exception of maybe his first two, I think. Uh, well, first two big releases. Uh, yeah. um, Six Sense is huge, and most people love uh, Unbreakable. I love Unbreakable. That's actually my favorite Shyamalan movie, but. Um, and I I was very I'm I'm a pro glass person. I I like split a whole lot, um, and I like the visit uh not as much as some other people, especially because the kid annoyed them, the crap out of me. But I liked it. Yeah, I did. That's the thing. I liked it, but the kid drove me kind of nuts. Um, and uh, you know, we I was warmer on the village when it came out. I didn't I like... when I rewatched it recently. I didn't like it as much. But really, yeah, I just uh, there's some really meh stuff in it um some of the performances and i'm i'm not a big adrian brody fan a lot of people really really like adrian brody i i've just
0: he's okay I don't, he does not yeah. good
1: movies though yeah yeah and I, I don't know wasn't that
0: a movie he was in nope um what was the name of that alien movie
1: mm. i don't know when was spice the alien? Spice, spice. spice okay that wow. is
0: probably the worst movie i've ever seen in my life That's-
1: spice i didn't see it but yeah he's also in the uh, third predator film i think the predators which has some good stuff in it but it's a it's also not good it's not it's not the 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 predator which is really bad that's that movie's an atrocity but um predators is like they're on a the planet with the predators and it's fine um there's some stuff in it but anywho that's what I've been watching uh, since the last we recorded. It was a lot. I I didn't even realize, um, to be fair, most of those I had on while doing other stuff. So it was like, you know, working with the, the movie going, it wasn't just like dedicated watches, but that's, I was throwing stuff on. Um, uh, And, but some of it was very, very intentional. And some of it pulled me uh, away. Like I really, really liked watching a lot of the older stuff and checking some of those big um, gaps off my list because, uh, you know, that's always the goal is I always want to kind of thin the, the, the list of films that I should have seen and for some reason haven't or movies that I've wanted to see and just never really sat through. Um, uh, I mentioned I watched um, In Cold Blood and Breakfast at Tiffany's because of C- uh, Capote, Truman Capote's attachment to it. And that's uh, we both got the innocence um, from Criterion and he's attached to that. Uh, so I really want to watch it, but I think we're saving that for the end of the year, so I'm trying to pace myself with that. But
0: Oh, yes. I'm so bad with titles sometimes, guys. I was like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I bought that. Uh,
1: that said, let's talk about Capote. So this movie came out in 2005. It is directed by Bennett Miller. Uh, Bennett Miller, I've seen a few of his other films. Uh, I'm up and down on them, um, oddly. Uh, I love Moneyball. I think Moneyball is fantastic. I hated Foxcatcher. Um I hated Foxcatcher so much that um right so the my first attempt at film criticism came uh I feel like during the summer and it was uh I, I, I don't remember exactly what made me start it. I think my friend had started his own website, similar to what Burke Reviews is now, and I was writing for it. And I did like four or five and I was really like, this movie was great. I would never like, I was like really pushing myself to like watch movies that I usually didn't. And Fox Catcher was on that list. And it was the last one. And after I watched, it, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to ever write a film criticism again. I hate this. Uh, it, it was, I don't necessarily think it's a bad movie. If I were to watch it now with a different eyes than at the time. Um, much more uh film acclimated eyes i might appreciate it in a way i think it was tonally it didn't mesh with my vibe and so i didn't like it um it's, God, it's a, it so unnerving yeah it it was i think that's that's what i'm saying knowing me now especially i don't necessarily think it was the movie's fault um i think it was just i did not want to watch that particular movie you know what i'm saying like it was not where i i think like if i don't remember for sure what the other movies were i know for a fact one of them was the way way back and i love that movie i think maybe i'm wrong it i don't know i remember distinctively this was the movie that like stopped me from writing for a two-year period basically i was just like nope done and um so i don't know for sure he hasn't directed too many things though he's done Foxcatcher, Moneyball um a Scarlett Johansson short uh called Falling Down a Nespresso short which is funny um a Bob Dylan video short and then a Capote uh another documentary called The Cruise and apparently he's got a Christmas carol coming out at some point um in the near future which yeah cuz we need another version of a Christmas carol but um Moneyball's fantastic and so Capote, I bought once on DVD, and then I bought it again on DVD, um, not realizing I'd already purchased it because of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, I think when when he died, I bought a bunch of his movies that I hadn't seen, so it's been sitting uh, for a while. Which I've actually now seen two other Philip Seymour Hoffman movies this week because he's in The Master and he's also in Punch Truck Love. Um, yeah, he's so good in The Master. Um, this movie stars uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Clifton Collins Jr., who I know best from Boondock Saints, All Saints Day, the second Boondock Saints movie um, that I am a defender of, which please don't hate me. Um, I, I actually really just like him in that movie so much. Uh, Catherine Keener, who is always good, um, playing Nell Harper Lee, uh, which I learned that the author of The Kill of was a was was a female writer, and I did not know that. I've never read the book, people, so don't don't come at me for that either, please. Um, it's funny because I, I sent a message to my group chat uh, one of my group chats and I was just like I'm almost through with uh, To Kill a Mockingbird uh, hot take it's really good and my friend was like um, oh I read that a few years ago I was like yeah I meant the movie she's like I don't know why I thought any different <laughs> I was like yeah
0: I want to see the movie but I want to read the book first I have bought the book but the book is I don't know I've met people who hate who hate it so hmm I feel like you know.
1: Yeah, I I wonder if they hate it because they were forced to read it in high school, kind of thing. I don't Um, know
0: how I got away with not reading any important books in high school.
1: I also feel like I was. I think it was my high school, to be honest. Like, I don't feel like I didn't read things. I just feel like my high school didn't make us read books that everybody else is like, "Oh, I read that in high school." I'm like, "I read 1984." I I remember reading what. Oh, I like that book. I remember, at least I liked it in high school. I remember reading Romeo and Juliet and uh, Julius Caesar and The Hobbit in like seventh grade or eighth grade. Um, And that's, I don't remember like any other books that we read. I feel like the only novel that was ever given to me though was 1984. Like I don't think in ninth, 10th or 11th grade English, we read novels. Um, I think we read out of like the textbook, which were a bunch of short stories and and we wrote essays, which I was good at, so I was cool with. But pretty sure the the only novel I was given that I remember was 1984. So shame, shame on my high school. If it, you know, um, especially I watched my my co- my coworkers teach so many novels a year, and I'm like, I don't. We didn't do any of this. Um, so yeah. Anywho, um, Chris Cooper is also in this, and I want, I like to reference him because I like him. Um, he and He's way down on the list, but he seems he's pretty important to the initial plot of the film. Um, if you're not familiar, this is a biopic. That is our, our topic for the month. In 1959, Truman Capote learns of the murder of a Kansas family and decides to write a book about the case. While researching for his novel In Cold Blood, that is the novel name, Capote forms a relationship with one of the killers, Perry Smith, who is on death row. That's, that's a bit of a spoiler, I guess. But um but has an 88... I know 88 Metascore, um, 7.3 IMDb user score. Um, <clears throat> um, from what I've read on other things, uh, this novel in cold blood is kind of the, an uh, initial entry into the true crime genre. Um, which is now one of the most popular types of podcasts. Like we should just start doing true crime and maybe people will listen more. Um, because that is apparently like the big trend. I I I don't I don't know. Like I know I, true crime stories are compelling. I love Zodiac, the the not the killer. I love the story, um, the Fincher movie especially. But I actually did read the the book about the Zodiac. That is the foundation of the movie Zodiac. Like you're watching him like do the research and write the book kind of thing. I read that book, um, and. Uh, i've now seen the film in cold blood i've not read the book um i I was i was gonna i was gonna try as well um i figured it would be available to like check out digitally from my library it's not and i don't i'm like really surprised i'm like either it doesn't have a digital version which seems unlikely um or for some reason like the it's apparently like they're holding the rights for it because i'm like well i don't want to buy it i feel like I buy a lot of books and I don't read them so I feel like I, if I can get a, a free copy of it from somewhere I'll I'll try but um so I picked Capote uh mainly because I owned it and um I almost changed it like three times I was like I don't, I don't know if I want to I don't know how interested I am in this um it turns out I was very interested in this I really really like this movie a lot Philip Seymour Hoffman is just magnetic magnetic excuse me i was gonna say magnet I, mag- um, I like magnetic or whatever yeah, magnetic uh he's he's just so easy to watch um even when he's playing a character that's not easy to watch in some some movies like he's a real tough character in boogie nights and uh he's one he's literally the only reason along came Polly is a good movie to me because he's so funny in it but he's like a character who's just like a train wreck you're just like oh my god every time he's on scene he's just doing so much um And uh, coincidentally, I didn't know uh, we're recording this on Philip Seymour Hoffman's birthday. I mentioned that earlier on the show, but it was totally a coincidence. It was not planned on our part. Um, We do that a lot uh, where we'll we pick something and then it suddenly is like everywhere. Everyone's talking about it again. Um, In this case, it's not specifically Capote, but everyone's talking about Philip Seymour Hoffman today on Instagram and stuff because it's his birthday. Uh, And here we are recording about it. But I I really, really like this movie. I found the story to be endlessly compelling um i i mean truman capote is a problematic figure to say the least um not so it's interesting because he is an openly gay man in in this time period which was not an accepted thing um they don't his sexuality is never really brought to the centerpiece of the film though
0: right if I don't feel like it's made clear at all and like if you were just watching this and you didn't read any other information
1: right I don't I think think you would know that 2005 shorthand is he's very effeminate and I think in 2005 most people would have read that as gay um and I I, right that's not me saying that's okay no I know
0: but I'm just like I never would have I'm sorry guys I wouldn't have made that jumper connection
1: I I think uh, having grown up as a male in a world where if you showed any femininity at all in the 90s or early 2000s, you were mocked as gay that I mean, it's it's you see it in movies all the time as like time capsules of homophobia and how it ran rampant. So I do think that the the mannerisms that he offers would have most men in 2005 would have said that he's gay and again because of if you w- w- look at gay characters in films in that era that is how they're almost always portrayed right especially like romcoms they the uh, the the gay best friend was a trope sweet home alabama was, what yeah and it was always well to be fair he plays it way scaled down than a lot of other characters uh, embry does in that that movie but but because he's in a world where it would he would have been beaten up right that's how he's closeted the whole movie so yeah it's it's scaled down by a a dramatic amount um and capote being open he's not he's not scaling anything down right like he's very flamboyant and again i don't obviously a gay person doesn't have a certain mannerism we know that we should have always known that but it's now I think much more abundantly clear that like there you're not gay. And then this happens kind of thing. Or like, Oh, you were gay. So you must be a, you must act like a woman. That's not what that is. But again, if you were to watch nineties or uh, early two thousands TV movies, that's how gay characters were usually presented. So again, this is as far as I know, being my only real frame of reference is this movie. This must be how Capote acted. Um, but, it's still like considering that he was openly gay at this time, the movie does not draw attention to it. It is not the source of conflict. I think maybe there's a couple of people who are a little put off by him, but they're not, it's never like, this is not a movie about like civil rights movement type stuff where he's not fighting for like equal rights um, or gay rights. And he's not uh, kept out of any places. He's not kicked out of a restaurant or anything because it's, it's, it's not relevant to the plot at all. What makes him a problematic figure is how he treats people in relation to his art. That they are, they, he doesn't seem to view people as people as much as resources for his art. Right. Like as if they were uh, the paint and brushes that he will use to paint his portrait. Um, and they are discarded as such when he's no longer in need of them. And that makes him problematic. I feel
0: like that um, was a very good way to put it.
1: It felt good when it was coming to me. So I'm glad. Uh, but yeah. Um, which but that made him because he, he is an actor like like Truman Capote, at least again, how this is portrayed in this film. This is my only frame of reference. Obviously, I was not alive when Truman Capote was uh, doing writing this book. Um I think he died in the eighties, if I remember. Four, I think. Uh, yes, yeah, so I was like two, so I didn't get to meet the guy. But um, he seemed so genuine and sincere at first, even though there were like little hints of kind of like this um, arrogance about him. Yeah. Some of the like when he's first talking to Perry, for example, I was really, uh, I was, I was sold. I was like, wow, this guy is so he's so compassionate. And then, oh. Oh, maybe not, and um, I just, I found it, uh, well, that's just it. Um, This movie's so compelling because he isn't some, like, perfect guy. He's not some saccharine figure for us to, like, worship. This movie's, like, he wrote this crazy story that is, he assembles it, he puts it together. Even though it's a true crime story, he still makes it into not a you know, historical book. It's a, it's a, it's a novel with true information, or at least he claims to be true information. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, criticism about the book and whether or not it's an accurate portrayal of what happened. Um, but, and again, that's not to say like, obviously these people died. This was, you know, convicted, blah, blah, blah. Like those facts are facts. He took liberties and yet claims that they're not liberties. um, because you know that's the, you want it to be as juicy as possible, right? Um, so, I I found it very very compelling. I've spoke way more than I should have at this point because we haven't we're not in spoilers yet. But Corey, uh, I hope you liked it because I I clearly did. So, what were your thoughts?
0: I do I did like it. Um, I wish that I had more like outside sources, I guess, to reference. Because, I mean, it is a very small portion of his life i guess um well i mean it took him at least four years to write the book but you know what i mean in the scheme of a person's life
1: right um so yeah biopics can choose to go a lot of different directions uh one of my favorite biopics is the uh danny boyle directed steve jobs mm -hmm. where it basically gives you a snapshot of his personality through three different days of his life that are spaced out over years and um their days is even even strong because it's like you know an event and it's like shot in quote unquote real time um for each of those events and i loved that it was it's so non-traditional for a biopic and then there's biopics where it's like from birth to death you get every every major event every you know blip on their timeline and uh, this one leans into the Steve Jobs style, where we are just getting this very small window of the guy, and um, I don't know. I still feel like we learn a lot, even though that is the case.
0: Yeah. Um, I. So I've read. I I read half of at least half of In and Cold Blood, um, a few years ago, and I just knew that it wasn't going to wrap up how I wanted it to and I couldn't make myself read the rest of it. I should probably give it another try, but um yeah, so I there are some different things in this that I find very interesting like his relationship with Harper Lee. Um mm-hmm. you know, I've never read that book. I've never seen the movie, you know, to kill a mockingbird. I should do both. But I lived in Monroeville for a while and I think that's really Cool, kind of, because they both lived there, but it wasn't really a cool place to live. It was still very, it seemed very, uh, I don't know the right word to use, but anyway, Um, definitely like being transported back in time and not in good ways. Um, But I mean, I, I thought this was very interesting and he's always interesting to watch.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's just such a good actor. Yes. Or was. It's such a shame. Um
0: I always it I like my sense of time is so terrible and it's not getting any better. But I didn't realize that was it 7 years ago now and that he was only 46 and you know
1: Well, it was drugs again. Yeah. Um uh, drugs rear their ugly head time and time again, taking away the most talented but often troubled individuals. Um but yeah, uh I th- I think it was twenty fifteen if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Um I could be wrong. But that's six years still. It's not it Um I'm I definitely could be wrong there. I don't I'm clicking on his name now on IMDb to see. Uh usually it says it right there. Oh no, I'm wrong. It's twenty fourteen. Okay. So it's it's seven uh seven like he said. Um and yeah, today, uh the twenty third it would have been his birthday. Um yeah. It, total shame we lost him way too young i would have loved to see what else he could do i've seen a lot of his movies but i've also there's so many he's done so because he, he takes a lot of small parts in movies too like he's not always uh he's a character actor a lot of times but man when he gets the opportunity to lead he he nails it and yeah, uh, it is it is a shame um i mean we've watched several of his movies on this podcast including synecdoche new york um which uh i really really enjoy and also felt like um i felt like the master had some, like there were the way the masters presented reminded me of synecdoche new york because there were times where i'm like wait is this actually happening or not like i can't tell um which is not pta style so that was what was also throwing me off I'm like there it feels like a like a charlie kaufman movie to me what am i watching um but yeah i uh i don't know let's uh i guess let's get into spoilers
0: Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about this movie in
1: great detail. You have been warned. And kind of sidebar, we're going to spoil In Cold Blood as well. Yeah. Um, Because it's a true crime book, and this movie is about him writing the book. And they're, they are 100% tied together because a major ending of this movie is the ending of the book. Um, So in the movie, in, I'm sorry, hold on. In the movie *In Cold Blood*, that I watched, um, there is a surrogate character for Truman Capote because there's like a guy who's clearly like the reporter writing the story about the thing. Um, he's not the centerpiece of the story, but he's relevant at times. And the that movie ends with the hanging, okay. um, very similarly to what's in Capote, like the way we see uh, Perry hung in Capote. The character Perry in the film in Cold Blood gets hung in a very similar way. He gives a little speech at the end, but not quite the same. It's not exact verbatim, um, which I think is probably commentary on uh, a thing that Truman Capote in the movie says several times is that um, I have 90% retention. I've been I've tested myself or whatever that like he can listen to a conversation and get 90% of it accurate. Which was basically like he would say that to th- there's some dispute there. That's very hard to do. Most reporters record interviews so they can refer back to because reporters care a hundred percent about accuracy. Good, good reporters. There's a lot of bad reporters now. So, just to be clear, um, so. there's a lot of disputes of whether or not he could actually do the thing he claimed he could do, but that's where a lot of the criticisms about the book come into play, too, is that he was basing things, like he would interview people, not write anything down during the interview, but write things down later. Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, how do you know if it was accurate if you have nothing to refer back to? Like, if you have no way to, like, double-check yourself, it's now your memory versus their memory, and they may not dispute it but at the same time it doesn't make it accurate either you know what i'm saying so um i feel like the speech is being slightly different in capote versus the movie in cold blood and of course i didn't read the book so maybe the speech is verbatim in the book to what perry says in capote but in cold blood the movie this is i'm sorry i keep referring back and forth but i found that it was interesting to me um because we don't get the full story of the murder until the end of capote when finally perry admits to everything to to him like he really like lays it out and tells the whole story that's also how in cold blood starts like in cold blood starts off where we we the murder happens but we don't see it we see the aftermath and we get some, like, little drops of, like, flashbacks throughout. But it's not till the very, very end of the movie that Perry lays out what happened that night. And we see all of it actually play out in all of its horror. Because it is, it's horrifying. And then we get the hanging sequence. So the, the Capote basically borrows the structure of In Cold Blood. Which makes sense because he adds that at the end, I'm assuming it's at the end of the book because that's when he got the information, right like we get this whole like arc of this guy's life, and here's how it all goes wrong, kind of thing um I found that whole that whole sequence to be very troubling. The hanging is is brutal um him watching it is even like the way he reacts is I think how I reacted I was like shocked when it happened it was so sudden and like it snapped me and like oh
0: like we knew it was coming but
1: yeah I... you'll know when right like it's just like oh. ah
0: yeah. i don't know so i had mixed feelings about um how he treats Perry oh yeah because first he is acting like his friend acting like his friend and he you know I might be misremembering, like, the sequence of events. But he's acting like his friend. All this stuff. they He gets them a new lawyer so that they get a new date. They're saying that they had uh, bad counsel. Sorry. I mm-hmm. can't remember the word. But um, all of this stuff. He's trying to get the story from Perry. He learns a lot about Perry. But he lies that he doesn't have a title for his book. Because he's yeah. still trying to get a story from him
1: and because the title is damning yeah right? like the the title is like oh no you're an evil cold-blooded killer well I versus mean, oh you're a s-. well i'm not saying he's not no i like, know it's definitely a different perception right like he's painted this image of him being a friend and then the reality is no
0: yeah and it, i thought it was very interesting that they thought he was going to tr- he they were like pressuring i can't remember the other person's name
1: but uh, Hickok is the guy's name
0: Hickok Hickcock and Perry I can remember Perry because that's who we see the most of yes but um oh god like they're trying to pressure him into writing the book a certain way so they can claim insanity and all these different things and I just wasn't expecting all of that I guess because I did not finish reading the book I don't know what all is in there but um But I felt like he turned, his relationship really turned with Perry when he was finally told the story about what happened that night. And that this family, four out of five family members were murdered over 40 or 50 bucks.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a few times where his relationship changes, um, where he like goes silent on Perry for a while or whatever. Um, But the part that was like the most damning to Capote for me was when it looked like they might get off. And he was like depressed. Because the ending of his book wasn't going to be the mm. ending he wanted. And Harper Lee calls him out on that. And um, I, he, I, I was getting that before she calls him out. Like it almost feels like two movie that she calls him out on it. But at the same time I'm like yeah Harper well, Lee tell him. Well she calls him out on a lot of stuff. Right well because he's, he's supposed to be her friend. But he's not. he's a jerk.
0: Well I mean I don't know like how much you read about it or anything but um i read a little bit that you know he dedicated his book to her but she helped him do all this research and did a lot of work you know Mm -hmm. with the book and he doesn't acknowledge her i think that maybe she edited it maybe i'm wrong on that but i mean even in this movie we see her you know gathering sources finding out where sources live and telling him to back off so that she can talk to people and traveling with him and all these different things and i feel like that would just be a smack in the face and he seems jealous and so does his partner when she's getting published uh-huh i just feel like it's a very interesting dynamic like would they really be friends if they hadn't been friends for so long
1: yeah and like she asked about like um if he liked her book or whatever and he doesn't I think he finally admits to having not read it to her or something like. And I th- um,
0: was it the movie he saw and he thought that people had just been like. Exaggerating how good it was. I can't remember his exact verbiage, but
1: it, it was something great. like that. Yeah, yeah, it was it was rough. And um, yeah, he he's like he seems like he's a bit of an arrogant jerk. Um, and in Cold Blood is the last novel he writes um it it apparently just like broke him um which is interesting you know in a lot of ways too because he seems compassionate but also it seems like that was a a front like like the compassion was only there to get the story like to like he knew how to work people more so than he actually liked people you know i mean that's the vibe this movie gives us is that he was really good at, at making you think he cared so you would give him what he wanted But at the end of the day, he didn't really care. That was the vibe.
0: He still showed up to their execution. He wasn't going to. Yes. And then he did. I I could understand being really conflicted about your feelings towards these people who do horrendous, like, this terrible Mm. thing. Because it just... I don't know.
1: But so yes i i i'm not i'm not saying that they should be treated like with all of the respect or what but he uses them yeah um oh i'm not denying it he manipulates the system too right like that's the cop is really mad at him because he's like dude you're
0: we don't do you're playing
1: games what like he's not playing games because he believes they're innocent he knows they're not innocent And yet he's fighting the system because it's a better story, right? Like it's not because he, you know, if you're, if you see an injustice, yes, fight the injustice. And they did deserve a better lawyer, but these guys, well, they're cold blooded killers is the the portrait we're given. And we have to be, to be fair, the portrait we're giving is through the lens of Capote, right? Like, so, these yeah. ruthless killers may not have been as ruthless as we were made to believe because of who is giving us the information right like we're getting it from um from the the guy who we're saying is not very compassionate and who manipulated them uh to get the story so you know who's to say it's accurate portrayal of who these guys were fair um
0: i think it's interesting that like even just how this book came about because he's in new york at the time right mm-hmm. and yes just reading in the newspaper and he comes across this smart smart article and he's like oh i'm gonna write about this like another article about it and he travels all the way to kansas also very bad at geography guys i don't really know what i'm good at <laughs> now that we're talking about it um but it just is interesting to me how it evolved into a whole book and was it four years he was spending on writing it and like
1: yeah he kept getting more uh are- more money and more uh extensions because it was so compelling um that people were like yeah, yeah yeah keep doing this um especially when you compare it though to like breakfast at tiffany's uh is nothing like i mean you know, I I don't know my understanding is he didn't like the movie because he said it changed too much uh Breakfast at Tiffany's mm-hmm. from his story. So I don't know what his story is, but I also don't think it was a full novel. I think it was a novella or a short story that was adapted. Um and having just watched it, like it's it's more a rom-com than not. Um but it's it's definitely like it's got problems uh as a movie for, I already mentioned the Mickey Rooney character, that he's playing. Um, but there's like, you know, it's, it deals a little bit with like this whole, like, she's looking to marry a rich man. So she doesn't have to work. Uh, cause it is coming. Like she's from a very poor background, which you don't know right away, but like, it becomes very abundantly clear at one point in the movie. Um, So it's just like, it's completely different context than what, than for to go and write a true crime story. You know, like what compelled him to go from these like kind of slight stories into this very heavy topic. It's, I don't feel like the movie really tries to tackle that. I don't necessarily think it should, but I, I am curious to like what motivated that, like what you said, like that, why, why this article that prompted him to want to write this was it because to kill a mockingbird has you know like this very political uh politically charged crime at the center of it um maybe not politically charged uh socially charged socially you know there's a black man is accused of raping a white woman is the the court case that Atticus Finch is is defending um again it's not the it's it's always in the background of the movie until it becomes the center, like, conflict of the film. But mm. um, so I don't know if maybe that was the motivation. It was like, well, Harper Lee wrote about a fictional crime, so I will find a real crime. I don't, you know, that's not in the text, but <clears throat> it's just hypothesizing like why. Yeah.
0: Competition.
1: Because he's clearly jealous, to me, of yeah. Harper Lee's success.
0: Well, it's like... I don't, they're just so back and forth and like always taking digs at each other. And even I think his partner says that she's really masculine or very manly. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't think you talk about friends that way, man. <laughs> <I don't
1: know. laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes uh, the French, it depends on what the foundation of the friendship is. If the foundation of the friendship is competition, you know, that we're both writers and who's going to be successful first. Um not saying it's healthy, but I do think a lot of friendships do form in those kind of weird ways where it's like you may not have intended this, but this is now what it is, you know. So. Fair. Um is there anything else uh you want to mention? No. So, listeners, uh, I think that is where we will end our review of Capote. Uh we both liked it. If you haven't watched it, definitely recommend checking it out. It is a very compelling film. Um, it's it's a crazy story, very sad, tragic story. Uh, it, but it, it, it's it this p- portrait of a murderer, um, which is now so popular, uh, it's definitely worth going back to maybe the roots and seeing you know what's there. Um, I forgot. I think I bought In Cold Blood um, to watch on on Vudu i got a A yeah i did
0: two like a two pack of capodian and true blood at big lots for three (laughs) dollars when i still live there
1: oh wow um that would have been cool to find uh but yeah so it's out there to get uh digitally it's not free on any streaming services right now but you can also get it on disc um and it's it's cheap enough to rent it's a little pricey to buy it's like it's pretty pricey to buy uh if you, if you don't want to really commit to it, but um, that's our review. I'm going to give Capote a um, I think I'm going to say must see. I, I just think it's Philip Seymour Hoffman is just so good. And it is such a compelling true story that it's, I think, worth your time.
0: I'm going to go with not quite golden pony boy.
1: Seems fair. Uh, we have one more biopic this month and it is Corey's uh, last pick. And I have I looked earlier so I wouldn't forget, and I have since forgotten because I don't even remember what it's about. Um, I am doing. Oh, I clicked on the same thing twice. Hang on, sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, what is it? Uh, it is. I'm not there. Oh, this is the uh, Bob Dylan movie, right? Yeah. Okay, so this one's a weird biopic in its structure, um, because it is uh, multiple actors playing Bob Dylan. Um, and this is one, I think the only biopic of this month where the subject is still alive. Well, no, I guess, I guess Bronson is still alive. Um, but so the, a lot of times biopics are made after the person has passed. Um, in this case though, Bob Dylan's still alive. Uh, it stars. Uh, I'm not there is a 2007 film stars, Christian Bale, Kate Blanchett, um, Marcus Carl Franklin, Richard Gere, Heath Ledger, Ben Wishaw, Charlotte Gainsborough, David Cross, Bruce Greenwood, Julianne Moore, Michelle Williams. I mean, just the cast is nuts. Uh, it's directed by Todd Haynes, um, who directed Dark Waters from last two years ago, which is very good. And Velvet Goldmine, which I've never seen, but I've heard it's great. He's done a few movies that I've been wanting to watch, actually. But um, That is Corey's pick in our last movie for biopic month. Uh, we will be back next week with our review of I'm Not There. Until then, follow us on social media. I'm at Burke Reviews and Corey.
0: At Corey, R star, two R's on the end.
1: And if you like what we're doing here at a Movie Club Podcast, we ask that you take a minute and rate and review it on whatever podcast catcher you utilize. Uh, it helps other listeners find the show. Um, and with that, we say keep watching movies. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watch Tonight.
0: Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests,
1: director-focused shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. This has been a Berk Reviews podcast. BerkReviews.com